In this episode, I sat down with Cody Nuremberg of the Northwestern Lumber Association and the Mid-America Lumberman's Association, and we put his associations and others under the microscope and break down all the key features and benefits they provide to this industry. We're actually recording this episode at the MLA Fall Fling, so you might get a little bit of background noise, but stick with us because the information and value these associations provide play a critical role in building the future. This is the Building the Future podcast. I am your host, the Lumberjack, Brett Thorne. On this show, we explore topics including construction, building materials, real estate, remodeling, housing market, industry news, new products and trends, technology, government, everything you need for building the future. Welcome back to the Building the Future podcast. I am your host, Brett Thorne, and today I'm sitting here with Cody Nuremberg with the Northwestern Lumber Association and the Mid-American Lumberman's Association. Welcome, Cody. Thanks for having me. Let's open up here. Let's kind of let you take the next, you know, two, three hours. Tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> it's a long story. We could write a whole book. Um, born and raised in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, played football. I wrestled. I golfed. Uh, played golf in college. Um, got into the golf industry. I spent 10 years in the golf industry before I got into the association business. Um, always said I would never get into the association business. My mother is a association executive, has been for 35 years. And 10 years ago, that fateful day in July, I got an offer to come and work for Northwestern Lumber Association as membership director. Um, did that for about two and a half years. And then my predecessor, Paula Seward, uh, who was the president of our association, uh, unfortunately passed away. And the board uh, came to me and said, we'd like to offer you an opportunity. Uh, and we took it. And so for the last about six years, uh, I've been the president of Northwestern Lumber Association. And then just this past May, 2019, uh, became the executive vice president of the Mid-American Lumberman's Association. So uh, responsible for running the day-to-day -day operations of both organizations, working with the members, working with the boards, uh, setting the strategic direction. Um, love what I do. It's, it's an absolutely fantastic, it's a fun, it's a fun way to, to go to work every day. So. Uh, personal side, uh, married. Uh, my lovely wife Brooke and I just celebrated nine years of, of wedded bliss, as I like to call it. Uh, we have two <laughs> beautiful children, a seven and a half year old daughter uh, named Kennedy, and I have a two and two, a little over two year old boy named Grayson. So, and we're we're a dancing family. That's all we do is dance, dance, dance uh, with my daughter. Uh, my little guy's a little too a little too young yet to, to start getting into anything too wild and crazy. Fantastic. So sounds like you're been in this career for quite a while and fairly, still fairly young, um, based off of you know child age and stuff in your uh, years of life. You know, to kind of give a nice Cliff Notes version for the listeners out there that maybe don't know a lot about associations. You know, what would be your elevator pitch for what you and the association do? I think the easiest way to describe it is we're a resource. Uh, we are a resource for our members. So like a golf course, a, a country club, or like a gym, you pay a membership fee to join our organization. For that membership fee, you get things for, as a part of it. There's other things we provide that you may have to pay for. Um, but all of those things are resources, uh, whether it be programs and services um, to save you money on your credit card processing, your employee benefits. Um, we also offer education. Uh, which is probably the, the biggest thing that associations today are and, and will continue to offer to their members. Uh, it's probably the biggest value proposition we can, we can bring forward. Um, we certainly put on a number of events, uh, both Northwestern Lumber Association, Mid-America Lumber Association. Associations are social groups, uh, really, at the end of the day. Uh, we're here to learn from each other. We're here to learn from facilitators and speakers, but we're also here to get to know other people, build our network. Um, and so those events that we host are, are a great place for people to, to meet others, learn about that, you know, somebody else's business, bring things back to your own business uh, that you might be able to implement. And then last but certainly not least, we're, we're, a, we're a government affairs organization as well. Uh, our job is to watch both the federal and state level governments uh, to make sure that 
small business in particular, or small business as a, as a, a broader scope, but then the lumber business in particular is protected. Um, you know, that's when, when members, when people joined associations back in the days, they joined for two reasons, government affairs and buying groups. Uh, in the 40s, Northwestern Lumber Association was actually named in one of the first ever federal lawsuits uh, for anti-trade and antitrust. And it's because we acted as a buying group. We would put members in touch with vendors and, and the vendors would get beaten up over price and product and things like that. The federal government said, can't do that. It's illegal. Well, we didn't learn our lesson and in 1948. We did it again. <laughs> and so we've been hit with two, two federal injunctions, uh, NLA has, and essentially has blanketed the entire building material industry uh, from the association perspective uh, to, to make sure that we're not engaging in that type of business. But again, being a resource, helping people connect, helping people learn. Uh, that's really what we're here to do. So I don't know how that was for an elevator pitch, but Close yeah, enough. That's, that's one hell of an elevator yeah, ride. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a long ride. Big yeah, building. That's one heck of an elevator ride. But okay, when you're talking about your members and stuff, I'm assuming that'd be kind of like your customer base and who you're targeting. Give Correct. me a give me a definition of who that is, you know, who that customer or that member is going to be that you're going after. So our membership base, it's pri the, the primary market is the retail lumber and building material operation, your lumber yard. Uh, not Lowe's, not Menards, not Home Depot, but your... Thorn Lumbers, your uh, Lampert Lumbers of the world's uh, Pro Builds, uh, those are all the folks, independent dealers that we work with on a day in and day out basis. We then have a secondary market, but they're just as important as the primary market, and that's the suppliers. So your window and door manufacturers, your distributors to the industry, uh, service providers to the industry, really anybody can fall into that that. So what we call an associate membership, but it's really a, a supplier membership. As long as they provide a product or service to the members of our industry, they qualify. And so that's who we go after every day and, and, and try to support uh, once they become a member of our organization. So would you say in a sense, kind of like a, a t connective tissue between maybe some of your suppliers absolutely and Ab then also some of your retailers absolutely when, you, when we talk to the suppliers the number one question we get is well, what, what's the return on investment for us what are we going to get out of being a member of, of your associations uh, the number one thing i tell them is we act as an avenue or an extension of your marketing team we people buy from people that support each other so I buy from, in my hometown, I buy from the local lumberyard, I buy from the local hardware store because they support my community. Well, same thing happens in the industry. If XYZ manufacturer supports ABC lumber dealer via Northwestern Lumber Association, Mid-America Lumberman's Association, the National Lumber and Building Material Dealers Association, that, that connection is there and then we help essentially refer somebody calls our office and says i'm looking for x y or z we use those those vendor relationships that we have the associate members and we will refer to them obviously first uh, as members that's that's again what we're here to do and at the end of the day um, if if we don't have somebody there as a member we'll still help you find what you're looking for but uh yeah it, it's that at that connect you, you hit it down on the head connective tissue the avenue the, the the chain that puts a link between the dealer member the supplier member all under one umbrella called an association okay and i know you said that one of the key things that you guys are one of the largest things you offer is the education side Tell me a little bit about that. Go into that a little deeper, a little heavier. What it is education-wise that you're offering and who it is that you're offering. Absolutely. So when I started with the association 10 years ago, it was right in the middle of the downturn. Funny story. I was leaving the golf industry because it was dying. The industry was dying and, and it, the, the, the depression was killing golf us. Golf was dying? Come on. Well, it was. I mean, <laughs> at one point in time, Minnesota had more golfers per capita than any state in the country. And that quickly turned when all of a sudden people were out of jobs. People were losing their homes. Understand. Um, obviously, you got discretionary income and, and absolute needs, um, and and golf wasn't one of them. I couldn't figure that out, and my wife will, my wife will agree with that. Anyways, um, the when I started the the. We, we didn't do a lot for education. Again, we had resources. We would put a, a webinar out in front, of, uh, in front of the members, but it was nothing that, that somebody could go and say, I have no clue what I'm, what I'm talking about when it comes to estimating, for example. And so we said, all right, 
we've got to put more focus on this. And that's really when it, when it ramped back up, uh, coming out of the downturn. And the primary reason for the ramp up, in, in our opinion, is when the downturn hit, and you'll hear speakers talk about this at our events and, and at, at all of our, our industry events, is in the downturn, the first people to get cut loose were the, the younger generation. Then it was the folks, the, the poor performers. And then it was, okay, now we're left with 40 and 50 year old employees, which there's nothing wrong with that. But at some point, and now at this point, the, those 40 and 50 year old employees are looking at retirement, they're aging out of the business, and now you're hiring new people. Well, again, the owner doesn't have time to sit there and teach somebody how to estimate, doesn't have time to sit there and teach how to sell. Again, you pay a membership to the association, you're part of this, this larger group, this larger thing, use us and that's where the education came in so from northwestern lumber association's uh, perspective uh, four years ago we launched a, a program that was very popular in the in the 80s and 90s called lumber tech it was actually a, a correspondence course through the university of minnesota and a couple of instructors based out of uh, southern minnesota and w just before the downturn northwestern lumber association acquired the lumber tech name and some of the curriculum well, again, downturn hits, we have nothing, we have nobody to sell this to. So we, we kind of put it in the closet and, and figured we'd take it out someday. Four years ago was that day. We brought Lumbertech back out of the closet, completely overhauled the curriculum to be more timely, more industry specific, more today. Um, everything from estimating to contractor sales to financial management, yard manager workshops, uh, OSHA and DOT compliance courses, um, the list goes on. We've got about 13 standard classes that we use, and, and we focus on bringing in the best of the best from the industry. Um, our industry has amazing speakers and amazing professionals that have done this for a very, very long time. People like Ken Wilbanks, Ruth Kellett Grubbs, um, Mick Frank, Bill Sharp, Bill Lee, Rick Davis. Anybody who's in the lumber business knows those names. We use them and bring them into our, into our programs. We offer them to our members at a severely discounted rate because we're, we're doing this on a, on a volume basis. We're bringing them 25 people from various companies to support obviously the, the fee that they charge. But you can send, our members can send three employees to an estimating class to the tune of $2,500 expense. And at the end of the day, that instructor would have cost them five, six, seven, ten thousand dollars to fly in, teach three people how to do this. So again, it's it's helping. It's the idea behind the education was bring everything forward that we possibly could, um, all the all the pertinent uh, topics and curriculum, and then make it available all throughout our regions. So in all of the states, but whether it's Northwestern Lumber Association, Mid America Lumberman's Association, we do multiple iterations of the estimating program. Uh, I'll use Mid-America as an example. We're doing one in St. Louis in a few weeks. We're doing another one in Kansas City in February. We're gonna do one in Rogers, Arkansas in uh, April. Northwestern Lumber Association's in the same boat. We do at least three estimating programs in Minnesota, one in, the, in each of the Dakotas, one or two in Wisconsin. So we, we try to spread it out and, and really bring that forward. Again, that's what the members want. So that's the value we're gonna provide them. Now, when you were talking about some of those education courses and stuff, it sounded like you had a pretty good variety. Yes. So it's not targeted to, say, specifically management training or sales training. Correct. Can you give me an idea of what kind of areas of expertise that those that the different seminars and training things are in, education programs Absolutely. Are in? So with, with most of the program we, we, programs, we look at it from three different perspectives. We have the operations staff, AKA the yard workers, uh, your yard foreman, the, the, the guys and gals out, out back of the yard, loading trucks and, and dealing with the actual operation side of the business. You have the sales track or the, or the sales people, uh, everybody inside moving the product. And then last but not least is administration and management. So when you look at the yard and delivery manager workshop, the OSHA DOT stuff. Not that managers and, and, and owners shouldn't come and learn about this, but again, the, the, the primary target of those programs is the people that are doing it every day. So again, the yard, the yard employees. Uh, again, the sales track, it's there for salespeople. Again, not that a yard person or, or an owner manager shouldn't come to a class like that and learn something, but again, that's where the primary focus is gonna be. And then on the administration side, we're looking at everything from bookkeepers to, uh, again, uh, operations managers. Um, we do, uh, the, the OSHA DOT is a perfect program. We have it both in the, the 
operations side of our of our curriculum. We also have it in the administration side because it does. There, there's the the practical hands-on OSHA DOT that you have to understand, and then there's the administrative side of OSHA DOT that you have to understand from the the report, the log reporting in your 300 and 300A forms, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, we we've tried to build a program that. It touches on just about every job within within an organization, and there's there's many. I mean, depending on whether you're small or big, there's there's so many different job titles and duties and things like that. But we we've tried to to focus on every possible uh, person within a within an industry or within a, within a lumberyard. And quite frankly, if there's somebody we're missing, we the first thing we want to know is who are we missing and what are they looking for. We'll build it for them. Uh, we just did that same thing with our, our sales 101 class. We ha- it's an in- entry level sales 101 program is what it started as. We've now we're gonna we're gonna take the entry level piece of that and put it more into a webinar for a new employee. Make it available to our members at any time. The members are always hiring at various times, and rather than wait for a class to come, okay, perfect. Now it's in an on demand online platform. The the new program we've called we've we've put together is called Understanding Sales, how to sell more efficiently and effectively. And this focuses more on the the actual practical usage of sales technique, understanding margins, so that when when that person comes through our program and comes back to the lumberyard, they know exactly what they're talking about when it comes to margins, markup, and all the differences that you have there. And again, has the tactics to to sell and, and be a better salesperson, uh, mitigate the the the, the stalls and the, and the eh, I'm not that interested or your price is, is too high, et cetera. We give example after example. Um, to be honest, though, what a lot of our classes do turn into is more of a roundtable setting. Yes, we're sitting in a classroom setting, classroom style, but it's amazing when you sit in the back of the room and watch people in the front are turning around and asking people in the back, talk more about that. Tell me more about that, ex- that experience. And now all of a sudden they're learning from each other. Um, one thing I have left out from the education side of things is the roundtables. We do have owner-manager roundtables, both with Northwestern Lumber Association, Mid-America Lumberman's Association, and there's roundtables all over the country that we're happy to partner people up with. Um, those roundtables dive very, very deep. We go way into the weeds with your financials, uh, your your sales per employee, your cost of, of doing business. Um, we talk about pie in the sky business things that might be coming to our industry that, that you need to be aware of things like amazon and, and the, the different groups that are coming out of the woodworks now you know lumber building material industry is a huge growth industry right now investors are looking at our at our industry and saying i'm going to buy lumber businesses i'm going to buy you know wholesale wholesalers etc because they they turn a good profit in a good number real quick before we get off of the Education piece, because I definitely want to dive a little deeper into the roundtables and get some more information on that. But on the education piece, it sounds like you've got a lot there to offer um, all the way across the industry, regardless of the position an individual holds. Would you say that the programs are more designed for new employees and introductory employees, or is this going to be an ongoing education that the people can get as they develop and as they grow throughout the industry? I think it covers all, all uh, the whole bandwidth, whether they're new, whether they've been in the industry for 25 years. I, I think the, the, the generation of, of workers today or the, the, the workers that we have in our industry today, we wanna, we wanna be educated. Um, it's, it's the best way to learn. Um, we wanna be educated quickly is probably the biggest trick with all that. But we, we've taken our estimating class, for example, uh, which is taught by Casey Voorhees. He's my colleague out at the Western Building Materials Association. Casey, by far one of the best, if not the best, uh, estimating instructors in the country. This guy's done it all, seen it all, and has a wonderful curriculum, two-day, three-day programs. Um, Casey has taken absolute rookies and, and taught them how to estimate in three days. And they go back and they, they've got a fairly good understanding of, how, of what they're doing with, with takeoffs, with the estimates, reading prints, et cetera, et cetera. He's taken guys that, and guys and gals that have done this for 30 years and taught them how to take an estimate from a four-hour process to a two-hour process. And just that alone, there's, there's the value of sending somebody to our education. Um, again, the, the OSHA DOT programs, we all think we know it. Nobody, nobody, no, knows, nobody knows. I don't it. think OSHA knows it. <laughs> True. <laughs> and the other issue is, is because it is such a, a, a what I call a sticky subject. A lot of people 
avoid it. Well, at some point, you got to quit avoiding it and, and just sit down and look at the basics. And really, with a lot of our programs, that's what we, we try to give you is uh, an outline of things that you should do. These are best practices. Not every lumberyard needs to do them, has the means to do them. Um, however, you've got the, the outline now of where you should be with, with various things. Again, how to set up your yard through a yard and delivery program uh, or yard delivery manager's workshop on time and full delivery systems. Um, we go through, you know, with OSHA DOT, we're, we're talking about the very high level stuff. And then if we need to dive deeper, we have webinars and various resources through our national association that will help you dive into things like the crane rule. You know, again, we have, OSHA has requirements when you use a boom truck. Okay, great. Now there's also the crane rule that applies and, and all of those resources we can make, we make available to our members at, at any time, so. Okay, great. Now you kind of touched on briefly there a little bit on the round tables. Mm -hmm. Obviously that's kind of, I wouldn't say a buzzword, but you're hearing a lot more about them. I don't think it's anything new. It's nothing revolutionary, but I think you're starting to get a lot more traction with them, especially as the markets are continuing to grow. This industry is picking up. Obviously we went through a downturn and mm -hmm. a recession, semi-recession there. Tell me a little bit about the round tables. What, give me, give me a good version of a round table, the, the who, when, what, where, why, and how. Sure. So round tables for, from our perspective are generally a two to three day program. Uh, you're getting together, uh, owners and managers, sometimes top level salespeople are getting together with peers from their industry, non-competitors. And again, we open up the book. We run the gamut of, of how to run a more successful business. We do financial overviews. We take uh, a look at your sales teams. We take a look at your operations. Again, we talk very high level uh, what could be coming our way in the next five to 10 years. All of these are run by a facilitator. Uh, we have a number of industry experts and, and consultants that we partner with uh, to bring into these, these uh, programs to help our dealers continue to grow their business. Uh, we look at this as, a, as probably one of the best ways that you can work on your business and not in your business. And that's very hard to do in the lumber building material industry. And I'll say it's hard to do even from the association's perspective. Uh, I'm a part of a number of round tables for associations. Um, it just, it helps you step back, get up in the, get up in the sky and take a look down at your, at your operation and say, what are we doing well? And let's, let's brag about it a little bit. Probably one of the things our industry doesn't do a very good job of is bragging about our successes. At the other, at the other end of the spe spectrum, you're looking down and going, okay, here's a problem area and I need to figure out what everybody else is doing, what the industry is doing, what the, what the government requires me to do if it's an OSHA DOT type thing, um, and, and, and really put a focus on these things. And, and I think what our facilitators do best in these roundtables is yes, they give you a lot of information. They, they, anybody that goes to these things is gonna walk out with pages of notes. At the end of the day, you gotta sit down and look at two or three things and say, okay, this is my focus for this year. And when I come back to these meetings in, in a year from now or six months from now, whatever the group decides, they sit down and they say, okay, what did we get done? What did you get accomplished? And, and so it's, it's a peer-to-peer -peer learning opportunity, but it's also, again, building that network of, of friends and colleagues that are, are committed not only to their success, but your success. And so you're helping each other at the end of the day as well. I can speak from our professional side and some of the round tables we've been involved in, it, forces you to dive very deep into your own information number. Some things that maybe typically get overlooked, but as you're putting together information for these roundtable discussions and meetings, they require a lot of data and information, and it forces you to open your books and maybe turn to some pages and some chapters, possibly, that you haven't looked at in a while. <laughs> maybe so you don't want to look exactly. at Exactly. But it does open your eyes to even your own levels of where you're at, uh, not only to see what other dealers can do, but kind of refreshes you on what you maybe had forgotten or need to be working on yourself. Would you say from the associations you represent that you have a, a decent number of dealers using the round tables and how would you compare that to what you were seeing five, 10 years, well, since you've been in the business, is that number grown or is that decreased? We've added two round tables to, to answer the last question. We've added two round tables since I started at Northwestern Lumber Association. So we have a total of four. Mid-America has one group that, that meets uh, nationwide. They're popping up all over the place. Uh, so yes, the, the, the need for them, the want for them has grown. And I don't, I don't care if it's the lumber business, the association business, 
manufacturing, whatever. Again, that that peer-to-peer learning and and benchmarking is, is is a big thing. Everybody wants to know what everybody else is doing and what can we, we, we we've heard it in multiple presentations, the old case method, copy and steal everything. I'll, I'll give Ken Wilbanks huge credit for that. Copy and steal everything. <laughs> Again, if, if it's good, copy it. Take it and, and implement it in your business in your own way. Um, so yes, the, the roundtables have grown in popularity. Um, we'd certainly love to see them grow more. Uh, I know of one group, uh, one of our, our partner groups in the country has, I think, eight or ten uh, roundtables going, and everything from sales manager roundtables, salesperson roundtables, inside sales roundtables. There's a roundtable for almost everything. There's a trust manufacturers roundtable, um, and again, as as an association, whether you're a member of ours or a member of another association. This might be going a little bit down a bunny trail, but the associations in the country, when I started, there were 22 state and regional associations in the country 10 years ago. There's now 12, 13. 13 uh, state and regional associations. Again, I represent two of those 13. These associations have, have banded together probably more than they ever have. We're, we're interested in the in the success of the industry at the end of the day, because if lumber dealers don't exist, if, if the wholesalers and the, and the supplier members don't exist, we don't exist. The members make us. The We've come to the point of we're, at, we're sharing members with other associations for the roundtable purposes. I have a group coming in from halfway across the country to one of our roundtables up in Minnesota. Um, again, it really doesn't matter where you're from. Sure, there's economies of scale. There's different economical things that, that you're going to have to address. But at the end of the day, business problems for a guy in Hawaii are the same business problems for a guy in Maine. So. Um, yeah, we're, they, they have definitely been, they're growing. We're here, to, we're here to offer them. We want to offer them. Um, if our members or anybody wants to get involved in one, they just have to simply say the word. Okay, and I want to double back on that when we talk about, because I do want to talk about some other organizations and associations, but before we do that, sticking with specifically the NLA and MLA, just shotgun me a few of the other services you offer to your members. I know we've obviously covered on the education and the roundtables, but just throw out some of the other ideas. We don't have to go in depth, but just tell Absolutely. me what other members can expect to get. We have credit card processing programs to help you save money on your processing fees. We can do everything from office supplies to business forms to business cards, things that people use every day. You know, when you go, come to an association, again, we can't serve as a buying group for you and your vendors we can serve as a buying group and, and have buying power when it comes to uh, business needs, business, again, business services. So NLA, for example, runs over 6 million business forms for our members every year. Um, you buy at that volume through one vendor, there's, there's price discounts and price breaks. And, and so that's where we can say to Lumberyard in the middle of nowhere uh, with three employees who needs these business forms, I can sell you these at the same price that massive conglomeration lumberyard here in the big city is is buying is getting that that same price so we've got that buying group or buying power piece of things is really what we can do there again we can do we've got fuel discounts we partner with federated insurance both uh, northwestern lumber association and mid-america are are and uh, we endorse the federated insurance products uh federated will help with your PNC. They help with some of your employee benefit type stuff. We get into the employee benefit realm. Uh, we've got 401k opportunities. We've got life and disability insurances. Um, really the, 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 the services we can provide, to be honest, the, the, the list is endless. Uh, when I started at Northwestern Lumber Association, it was kind of a suitcase salesman mentality of, here's what we have to offer. Is there anything in here you would like? Both Northwestern Lumber Association and Mid-America Lumber Association have changed the, the, the mindset on that to tell us what you need. We likely have a resource for it. Some of them are endorsed partners of ours. Others are simply people we've met at various events. We know that they're the, the best of the best in the industry. And we tell our members all the time, let us do the vetting. Let us, rather than you sit on Google and, and or, or Yahoo or whatever your search engine might be, rather than you sit there and waste hours of your time, 
let us take care of it. You go sell, run your business, be profitable. Let us take care of the, the, the easy stuff, the little stuff. So uh, again, so to answer really the, the broad answer to your question is there's really nothing we can't offer. Uh, we are looking into some of the things on the horizon. We are looking into online education, big time. Again, a lot of our classes are in person. We're looking into the online thing. We've, we've decided to make some investments in some online education. Uh, the big thing that's hanging out there right now is health insurance. Um, associations 20 years ago, the, the main premise of an association was to provide health insurance for most people, for most associations. And you had 90% of your, your potential customer base were members of your organization. In the early 2000s, the government came and said, association health plans are no longer viable. Essentially, they're illegal. You can't, you can't offer them anymore. The current administration, about a year and a half ago, said association health plans are viable once again. We have to find something. Um, and so, unfortunately, there's a lot of red tape and a lot of gray matter that we've got to get through on some of this. But there are a number of opportunities and options that we are exploring right now to see what we can do to, to bring health insurance back to our members. So um, that's kind of the big stuff right now on our, on our horizon. But again, it, it really doesn't matter what it is. We're here to help our members be successful. And if, it, if that's one member that needs security cameras, we've got a resource for them. Again, they're not an endorsed partner, but if you're looking for security cameras in your lumberyard, call us. We've got two or three guys we can, we can refer you to. Uh, and again, better than you sitting on Google and trying to figure out who do I go with and having to sift through you know, ADT and everybody else that you might use at home. Uh, these, are, these are business quality cameras. We've had one person in the 10 years I've been here order cameras from us or with us. Uh, again, the association didn't really benefit a whole heck of a lot of it out of it other than our member was taken care of. And that's really, again, what we are here to do. Take care of our members, keep them happy, keep them smiling. Okay. The Tell me just a little bit about NLA and MLA as far as how many members they've got, a little history on them, a little background, and what they represent in these in their said markets. Absolutely. So again, Northwestern Lumber Association is Minnesota, North and South Dakota, Nebraska, Iowa, Wisconsin, and the UP of Michigan. Um, Michigan has its own association. Uh, we've done some partnering up in, in the Michigan area, the UP, obviously the big body of water, Lake Michigan in between. Uh, it's easier for us to service them and, and they're more apt to come and participate with us versus driving all the way down to the southern part of the, of the, of the state to, to participate. So again, we've got those six and a half states. Mid-America Lumberman's Association represents uh, Kansas, Missouri, Arkansas, and we do have some members out of Oklahoma as well through a partnership with the Oklahoma Association. Um, where it's all come from, uh, both organizations started in the 1880s and 1890s. So they've been around for 125, pushing almost 130 years now. Uh, again, they started as buying groups. Their lumber dealers would sit around a table and they'd march a vendor in and say, okay, you're selling Brett for you know a window for $100 and you're selling Cody a window for $90 and you're selling John that same window for $87. We all want it for $87. And if you don't, we have a little black book, we're gonna put your name in and we're gonna tell all our friends not to buy from you. And inevitably that's what happened. Uh, we still have pictures and copies of the old black book that Northwestern Lumber Association had from back in the day. Uh, again, the 40s, that changed. Um, Northwestern started as the Dakotas in Minnesota and over the years has merged in with Iowa, Nebraska, and most recently, Wisconsin. Uh, Mid-America, we have, so, the Mid-America Association and Northwestern Lumber Association started working together back in May. Uh, we are, it, it's a partnership, uh, call it a management agreement. Both organizations are still their own organization. They're still, they still have their own identity. Uh, they have their own events, but at the same time, working together, we can offer a lot of things, quote unquote, across state lines, across boundary lines. Um, the associations, we do try to stay in our own, in our own boundaries. We don't go pillaging in other people's backyards, basically. Um, but this partnership that was formed is, is allowing NLA to bring some of its uh, better services and education down to MLA, and it's allowing MLA to share its information with NLA. Again, we're all in this together. We're all in the lumber and building material industry, however you want to slice it and dice it. Working together, it's a heck of a lot better than working alone. 
So uh, that's really the stance we've taken with, with this whole program, and, and we're, we're excited about it. And it sounded like when you're talking about just organizations as a whole, sounded like the numbers of actual organization out there are decreasing. Yes. Give me a little synopsis of what's causing that, but maybe we should even back up and do a past, present, and future of what the organizations as a whole that we're going to see and have seen in the past. Mm -hmm. So yes, you know, consolidate closure and consolidation are the, the probably the largest threat to our associations, our organizations. Um, when you say closure and consolidation, are you referring to the members or about the associations themselves? The members. Okay. Uh, closure and consolidation of the the actual lumber and building material industries, or excuse me, lumber and building material yards, as well as the suppliers. Uh, they're all banding together, uh, operating as one. Um, you're seeing lumber yards buy up other lumber yards to get bigger. Again, it's much like the association. The bigger your buying power, the better off you'll be. Uh, at least so they say. Um, so the the members closing, it, it's it's a hard pill for us to swallow because again, there's more lumber yards closing than there are lumber yards opening. And so as our customer potential customer base declines, so too does. Uh, our ability to be successful and to and to grow per se, um, you know, again, if the lumberyard doesn't exist, we can't bring them on as a member. We can't work with them. So, what's driving that? I think the number one thing is is succession. Um, you have it's it's no secret that the lumber building material industry in a lot of ways is you know pale, male, and stale. Uh, it's old. We're we're getting we've got folks in their fifties and sixties that are owning lumberyards and they have no plants. Kids have watched mom and dad grow up, they've grown up watching mom and dad work six and seven days a week, 10 and 12 hours a day. And being a millennial myself, you asked earlier, you know, age, roughly age-wise, you know, I'm young, yes I am, I'm 30, I'll be 35 next week. Um, the, my generation looks at that and says, that's not what I was told in college is, is, a, is a work life. You know, it's 40 hours a week, maybe 45 when it's busy, but 40 hours a week, Monday through Friday, eight to five, banker's hours as we like to call them, and you go home. That's not the lumber and building material industry. We're in early, we're there till 536 uh, every night, uh, sometimes on Saturdays. And so you've, you've got a lot of business opportunities out there for, for an entrepreneur that wants to come in and own a lumber yard. Um, the current owners just don't know who to give, who to sell it to is, is really what it's boiling down to. And so they either end up closing or they fire sale the thing and, and it ends up getting picked up by somebody else. We've seen a lot in, in our markets where a, a yard will close and a contractor will come in and buy it because the contractor not only wants to, to supply some of their own jobs, you hate to say it like that, but that's kind of how it's turning. Um, and they also just realize that the town that they live in, especially in rural America, it's always had a lumberyard and it's always, it's going to need a lumberyard. Uh, nobody wants to drive 90 miles to a, a Home Depot or the nearest, you know, lumber building material dealer to, to buy two or three two by fours. So somebody's got to be in town with that type of material and, and that type of inventory to, to support the community. So um, again, the consolidation is, is huge and a lot of it's being driven by the succession planning. Uh, we certainly are trying to work with our members you come to our events, you, you see a lot of our education and, and some of the things we put out in our, in our newsletters. It's, it's all focused around make plans. You gotta, you gotta make a plan. Uh, I can't tell you how many people I get a phone call from every year going, I don't know what to do. My kids don't want this. I don't have any kids to give it to. Um, my kid decided to go be a lawyer or a doctor, um, which is commendable, but again, they're not coming back to the lumber yard. So, um, that's that's what we're seeing, and then again the the good the good lumber yards, uh, and they're all good in, in some in their own capacity. But the the ones that stand out at some point, if there is no succession planning, you're seeing some of the larger groups come in and, and buy them. We we now have um, private equity firms and, or investors that are are banding together to buy lumber yards. As I said earlier, it's a, a massive investment industry right now. Um, and so those those yards are being brought under larger umbrellas. Um, they may still operate as their own operation. Uh, we have one up in our territory. All the yards that they own uh, in the Northwest Territory, all the all the yards that are underneath this umbrella, they still operate as the lumber yard that they used to be. 
a lot of the internal services, uh, you know, your bookkeeping, accounting, uh, HR, legal, that's all been shipped out to uh, a corporate office somewhere in the country. Uh, but again, the yards are still there operating just as they always have under the same name, under the, the same logos and brands and, and everything else. So. And you know, I noticed you said in there that that is reducing, with all the consolidation that's going on, that's reducing the market that is available for you guys as members. How are you guys combating that? And what do you see forecasting as how the associations and organizations like you're talking about, similar to NLA and MLA, are going to continue to prosper and grow with those kind of transactions happening? Absolutely. Um, we've been, I will say, we've been very fortunate, almost lucky, to have, you know, when those consolidations do happen, in a lot of cases, it's a member buying up either a non-member or a member. So we're, we're still, we're either at, as a non-member purchase, we're adding them now as, as a, what we call a branch location or a line yard member. Uh, if they're buying up the member, again, they stay as a, as a member, but now they're a branch yard, line, line yard location. From our end, really the, big, the biggest impact is the financial impact. We go from a, single yard operation paying our, our dues structure based on the single yards to now being a $200 branch. So it's eating into our uh, revenue streams uh, at the association level to combat it. It's not a lot we can do to, uh, to, to combat it. The, the biggest, biggest thing that we can do from the associations, in my opinion, is just continuing to expand upon the services that we offer. Again, the education, the round tables, all those products and services that I talked about. Um, you can ask all of my colleagues around the country. Nobody has a silver bullet for, for how to solve this problem or, 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 or combat the issue. But there are there are ways to, to obviously keep growing our associations. Um, and really, it, it starts at the member level, providing all those different services and engaging those members to come to the association. Use us as a resource. It's great to pay your dues. I, I, I use this analogy all the time. We're like a gym. You know, you, you can be a member at a gym. You can say, I, I'm a, a member of said gym. But if you don't go, what's what's the difference? <laughs> You've just wasted $1,000 a year on a gym membership. Now, if you're going to spend your 1000 bucks and go and at least get something out of it, you might not get your full $1,000 worth of value out of it, but at least get something out of it. That's when you're at least engaging with us and, and using your membership uh, and your investment to help your business. Are the organizations, you know, some of these affiliates you're talking about throughout the country, I mean, do they have looking at these models and what's coming down the road? I mean, is there fear? Is there, What's their thoughts? I mean, it sounds like maybe things are going to get a little tougher. Industry's changing a little bit. And you're having to adapt and, and modify the way you do things and your offerings and going deeper into your services you offer. But is there any concerns or fears, I guess, with the coming decades? for the associations as a whole? Yeah, I, I think, at least from my perspective, my, my greatest fear is we if the industry consolidates so much to the point where, again, the, the dues revenue doesn't support our overhead expenses, like any business, we're gonna have to cut overhead expenses and, and potentially cut services and offerings that we're providing to our members just to remain a profitable business. And, you know, Even though we are a nonprofit, I like to say we are a not-for-profit. We we can make money as an association. We're just not supposed to make tons of money. We're supposed to put as much of it back into the into the industry and into our membership as we possibly can. Um, so we are still associations do exist to be profitable, uh, just like any business. The the again the fear I've got is if things contract so far and and quite honestly I'm I'm planning on being here for the next thirty to thirty five years. There will be a lot less lumber dealers to work with in, in 35 years. I can promise you that. And I guarantee you it's going to be a smaller staff, both from the, you know, from the MLA perspective and the NLA perspective. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll juke and jive with all the different changes and, and keep throwing punches as best as we can. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's a challenge and it's concerning, but it's a, at the same time, it's, it's fun. I, I look forward to just continuing to watch how this whole thing morphs. You know, you talk about the associations around the country. Again, I started there with 22, there's now 13. I don't see that coming to a close quite yet. I do see the, the state and regional associations continuing to come together and, and in some cases merge together. Um, there was a, a prior predecessor of mine uh, in the industry, he called it his rule of eight. 
and he figured it by the end of the whole thing as, as the associations just kind of stopped and, and we plateaued, there'd be eight state and regional associations left in the country. And again, I heard that pretty much within the first year I started working at the association. Again, 22, we're down to 13. He might not be so crazy. Not too so, far from not, it. Not too far from it. Uh, which again, that, that branches out on the whole geographical market for us as well. Uh, you know, again, we're, we're working, NLA and MLA are working together. That's nine and a half states. That's a lot of miles and a lot of turf to cover. Um, we've tried to combat that certainly by having uh, employees of the association out in the field. Uh, MLA's, MLA has a field rep. Granted, he works, works for Northwestern Lumber Association. He's based down in the MLA territory obviously a lot faster, a lot easier for him to be in, in the market and working with the members versus trying to do it from Minneapolis. Again, I think you're going to see a lot of that happen too, where you're going to have, call them regional managers, um, ambassadors um, that, are, that are working on behalf of the association, but aren't sitting in an office in Minneapolis in our case, um, you know, holding down, holding down a desk. So uh, we've, we've had to look outside the box, think outside the box. Um, I started in LA, I think we had 13 people in the office. We've now got seven. Uh, now I have 10, I have 10 staff members, uh, but three of them do work from home pretty much full time. So uh, we're ebbing, we're flowing, changing, changing with, the, with the program, so. Would you say from your guys' organizations, memberships, do you have more members that are buying other companies or being bought out? I would say at this point, it's probably a pretty even even flow um, in, in three different areas. There are still members buying other members. There are, are, are being acquired by other members. There are, there are members, and maybe it's really two categories, and then there's the members that are just closing the doors. Again, they have no succession plan. And so at, at this point, it's just let it go. Um, really, that's the two big things we've seen. Um, we have seen Could some- Could you put a percentage to those? I mean, just, and I, don't, I won't hold you to numbers by any means, but just yeah, to give I'm, an idea. I, I'm not an economist. I am a numbers guy. I, am a, I, I like to, to sit and analyze numbers myself, but I would say any given year, we're losing 3% in total. Um, in, in our territories, you know, to closure, consolidation, and or being, being bought up. So I guess consolidation being bought up would be the same thing, but um, it's about 3%. The industry average per our national association is we are losing, of, of the member associations, we're losing about 3% of our members every year. Some are losing more, some are losing less, some are growing. Uh, and NLA, MLA have had years where we're, we've had some good growth, and there's been years where we've seen some, some pretty hard decline. Um, so I think right now we're all just trying to remain as stable as we humanly possibly can, uh, knowing that there are certainly things outside of our control, again, closure, consolidation, that, that we just, we can't stop. Uh, we'll certainly try to help you know, keep people from get, from closing the doors. But at the end of the day, it's about that 3% number. What's the industry average as far as, okay, so members of your association, you think are about 3% or is that just all as the industry as a whole? I would say as the industry as a whole. Do you um, feel that members that are part of associations are a little better off than that? Maybe have a little lower closure rate? I'd, I'd, I'd like to think so. Uh, again, I, I don't... I don't <laughs> no, no, no proof to back it up. No, like. no proof to back it up. Again, I'd certainly like to tout it. You know, again, it goes back to the whole engagement thing. Um, you know, and you saw it during the downturn. Those that took advantage of what the associations and it doesn't even have to be your lumber association. You've got your, your NFIB groups and your, your different small business groups. Uh, if you take advantage of the resources that they're providing to you, in a lot of cases, they helped our members stay out of you know, the closure uh, and, and the downturn. They helped people at least survive the downturn. Uh, we had a lot of lumber yards at that period of time that, that just, it was it, we're done. Um, the ones that, that have survived it, I think they're better off for it. They've learned a lot from it. And, and the vast majority of them are engaging with us in some capacity or another. So again, I'd, like to, I'd love to toot our own horn and say that, yeah, you're a member of our organization. You're going to be successful. Uh, it goes both ways. Again, we have the resources to help make you successful, but you have to engage and, and, and take advantage of them.
So you have to get in and use that gym membership. You just can't just buy it and just Bingo. expect it all to work out. I, I'd be the first to tell you. I'd love to say I, I'm a gym member and I'm, I'm fit and, and ripped and everything else. But uh, well, you can tell them that this is a podcast, Cody. Nobody can see us. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, I'm, I'm six foot and 190 pounds and I'm ripped. Yeah. Just don't don't look at me on LinkedIn. Yeah. So this industry, when we're talking about the building materials industry, the construction industry, I mean, this is a very vast industry. I mean, yes. you've got so many specialty groups, you know, HVAC, plumbing, electrical. Obviously, you're representing the building materials side, the building materials dealers, and then the suppliers. Mm -hmm. Throughout this industry, do you is, are there other organizations and associations that represent other groups? Absolutely. So it's a pretty yeah. popular model then. Yeah, I mean, associations have been around as as I said, 130 plus years. Um, and yeah, you've got there's an association for everything. Um, it's insane how many associations are out there, um, and they're all very good at whatever they do. Um, we've we've we have a number of association partners within the construction industry. We, we partner with builders associations. We partner with NAHB. We partner with uh, electricians and plumbers. There's at some point in time, there's going to be a time where we have to band together. I'll give you an example. Uh, Northwestern Lumber Association is a partner with the Builders Association of, of the Twin Cities. The Builders Association of the Twin Cities about five years ago got engaged in a fire sprinkler mandate in the state of Minnesota. Every house over 3,000 square feet, I believe it was 3,000, uh, had to have sprinklers like what you see in apartments and hotels in the ceilings. Well, nobody's going to build their, their massive brand new home and put these things up in the roof. We partnered with the Builders Association. They led the charge. They were the, the financial backer of the entire process, but they went to, it, it went as far as the Supreme Court of the state of Minnesota, and they helped get it abolished. Now, again, Probably a win, a better win, in my opinion, for the for the homeowner. Again, I'm building this big, brand new, beautiful house, and I've got this sprinkler system. I don't need that. It was added cost. It's ugly. There's nothing you can do to make those things look nice. Um, but from the builder's perspective, that's one less thing they have to worry about when they're when they're planning out a home and and, and trying to sell a home. And from the supplier's perspective, the the dealer and even the the vendors that we work with, again, it was one less thing that they have to worry about having to stay on top of meet code for meet regulation for et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, there's, there's things there that, that those associations, they all have their own niche. Uh, you know, as I said earlier, there's, you know, if you did a SWOT analysis for associate for an association, even our associations, our threats are truthfully, really it's the closure consolidation. We try to stay within our own, our own boundaries. So the, the, so the Illinois lumber association and, and my, my dear friend, Barry Johnson, Barry, Barry doesn't come into my neck of the woods and try to, you know, pick up members in Iowa or, or in southern Wisconsin. I don't go into Illinois and try to pick up his. Um, so, again, we're not I'm not competing. Our associations are not competing with with ourselves or with with any real other organization. Uh, again, the Builders Association is not trying to take our members. The the HVAC guys aren't trying to take our members. You know, again, we all have our own little target market, our own niche of the world. Um, so really, it becomes an opportunity for us to work together rather than look at it, look at each other as competition. The theory of raise the tide and all ships raise. Amen. Amen. Excellent. Let's talk. Let's shift gears just a little bit and let's talk about this industry as a whole, not necessarily from an association standpoint, but just the building materials or the, the construction industry. Absolutely. Let's be inclusive of building materials, specialty groups, labor, all of it. Absolutely. What are we seeing? I mean... We've seen a lot in the last 15 years in this industry. I mean, obviously we came in, when you look at a 15 year window, we had a housing boom, Yep. we had a housing bust, yep. and now we're in a recovery time. So mm -hmm. we've seen the high, we've seen the low, and now we're seeing the middle. Yep. What are we gonna see moving forward? What are your projections? So I have the, the honor, the duty, it's part of my job, uh, to sit and, and read economic reports and housing reports, and I listen to economists at various conventions and shows, you know, in the short term, the very short term, everything you're hearing right now is 12 to 18 months, we're gonna go through another recession. Now, it's not gonna be as deep of a recession, and if you listen to, if you talk to a lot of, of, of economic people and consultants, what we went through in 08, 09, and 10, even some cases 11, a lot of people call it, would call that a depression, not a recession. Um, 
it went. It but went, it was it, a great recession. Yes, it, the, yeah, great the great recession. <laughs> I think it's because somebody already stole. That puts the, it right on that borderline yeah, of depression. Somebody I stole the Great that, Depression years ago. That amps but, up that caliber a little yeah, bit. Absolutely, and, and again, we weren't. Uh, we weren't. People weren't running around saving every newspaper and, and using it for toilet paper and things like that. It, it didn't get that bad. But again, we we crashed hard, as you said. We're, we're recovering now. But all the economists that I'm I'm listening to and, and hearing are saying sometime potentially fourth quarter of 2020 is when things are going to start slowing down again. Now, to, to play devil's advocate, I, I think a lot of lumber dealers would say, yeah, it's likely coming, but there is so much pent up demand and, and, and pent up work in the pipeline right now that I don't, I, th- I think there might be enough pent up to hopefully hold the tide as we as we roll through whatever the next recession is again the economists are saying it, it will be a mild recession um i would i would venture to guess i mean it seems like it's an every 10-year cycle we go through something and you know, we had one in the 90s we had one in the early 2000s we had one now in the late 2000s um uh so yeah i mean it, things are going to slow down uh labor continues to be the number one issue for our our members and for for businesses period we have such a low unemployment rate right now uh and we're all looking for looking for workers um you know any lumber dealer i talk to i just had one talk to me today he says if you know of a sales guy send him my way well i know of a ton of sales guys they're all employed and seem to be pretty happy um so again labor's been tough um and, and it doesn't matter if it's in the lumber lumber yard it doesn't matter if it's a framing crew. It doesn't matter if it's the carpenter, the HVAC folks. They're they're all looking for labor. You know, you look at, and again, I'll go back to my generation, the, the quote unquote millennials. I get roped into that by a whopping year. I, I missed the cutoff. But the the millennials, we were raised with computers in our face, and we were told, go get a job as a programmer, go be a doctor, go be a lawyer. Nobody ever told me, go other than my mother, who I love dearly. Nobody ever told me go be an association executive in a lumber and building material industry. Uh, it, it wasn't on the radar as I was looking at where I wanted to go to college and what I wanted to do for a living. I have a marketing degree. Um, so at the end of the day, the, the labor force, the young labor force that should be coming behind our, our aging labor force and taking over mom and dad's framing company or mom and dad's uh, contracting business, they're not there. And so we're trying desperately, some would say we might be way behind the eight ball on this, but we're trying desperately to bridge the gap as quickly as we can. Um, we've partnered with a group out of, in Minnesota called Project Build, and they've brought the HVAC guys, the electricians, the plumbers, the lumber and building material dealers, suppliers, um, commercial contractors, residential contractors, We've all banded together and said, okay, we can all sit here and, and make our own marketing plan about why our industry is so cool. You know, come work in a lumberyard, come work as, an, as a plumber, and we can talk about how much money people can make in it. But really, we're all kind of talking about the same thing. And why don't we just, rather than, you know, fight, it, fight with each other, let's come together and make a bigger purpose, a bigger movement, and say, hey, this is an awesome industry. As I said earlier, lumber, lumber dealers especially, but I think a lot of folks in the construction uh, home supply channel um, have they struggle with telling their story, you know. And you, and you have the old guy sitting behind the counter that's run the lumber yard for how many years? He's done some amazing things. He, he's built a business. He's supported his community. He's built homes for, for for many people within the community, but he doesn't get out there and talk about it. And he doesn't make it. We're not a sexy industry. Now we can be a sexy industry again if we make it sexy and we talk about how sexy it is. Again, the the money people can make in this industry, it's insane. I mean, I've heard numbers that make executives roll over and go, "Wow, maybe I went into the wrong career." Um, whether you're a salesperson, a truck driver, um, there's a lot of great companies out there that are providing amazing benefits, even you know, ESOPs and, and ownership opportunities the day you start. Um, so, it's. The opportunity's there. The we've got to quickly again bridge that gap to to get more people uh, that want to come and do this. Um, sorry, computer programmers, but there's enough of you guys out there in the world. There's enough attorneys. There's enough doctors. We need people in the in the trades. The trades are what drives our economy. And I I stand and argue with just about anybody, and I'm sure economists would would say the same thing. 
home construction, home remodeling, uh, plumbers, et cetera, et cetera. We, we drive the economy of, of the United States of America. And if, if we don't have anybody to fill those shoes at some point, what are we gonna do? Robot, robots can't do everything. They're trying, but robots can't do it all, so. Yeah, and this is such a critical industry. I mean, when you really break it down and you think about it from an 80,000 foot view, looking at the big picture, I mean, having a roof over your head, that's critical. I mean, that ranks right up there with oxygen. Amen. So, I mean, having those labor sources, those talented and trained labor sources out there to do all that is extremely critical. You know, it's funny you mention this as a maybe not appeared to be the sexy industry. I heard, and I'll give credit to Rick Davis. I heard him speak one time, and, and one thing that always stuck with me was he said, this is the sexy industry. We just don't sell it. You look at the finished product, look at the beautiful homes that we build, and look at the amazing products that we produce. So that is beautiful, that's sexy, you know. What is sexy about pharmaceuticals and pills, yeah. or with computer programs? The only thing that's sexy too is a computer program. Amen. That's it. Amen, so, Amen. You know, and, and that's, gosh, I mean, that's such a critical piece. What do you feel that is gonna have to happen as an industry as a whole to fill that void that it's looking it's coming. I mean, you, you, when you look at the, you don't see, like you said, the trades. You don't see trade schools like you used to. You don't see people getting into it. I mean, is it, do you feel that something, the economy is just gonna balance itself out to where there's that shortage of labor and to get a toilet unclogged, you're gonna have to pay $500 to get a plumber out there and then the value of those trades now become high enough that people go back into it or how are we going to get how do you see people getting back into those skills and learning those skills and saying this is a good business this is what i want to support my family with this i can make a living doing this. A, a good living doing this. absolutely i i would say the first phase is we and it's it's we as associations it's we as an industry it's we as lumber and building material dealers uh home builders electricians, plumbers, HVAC people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We have to, to get on the same bus and, and start talking to the schools again. You know, tech ed programs, your shop classes, they're essentially non-existent anymore. Uh, the schools have to cut their budgets. You know, I get it, it's tax dollars. Your taxes may have to increase, but somebody's got to train. Now, on the flip side of that, the dealers, are going to have to be willing to train and that again is where your associations again whatever association you're a part of that's where we can be a resource to you we we provide the training um, i've told i've told folks that you know hey you want to hire this person send them through our entire lumber tech curriculum i will promise you that they're going to come back probably better than than what you could have trained them at now as now you're going to have to bring them back in and, and teach them the way you do things as as in your business but Again, the, the, the training from our end will be there. It has to be there. We need to get into the schools and talk to the, you know, it starts at the middle school level. We did, there was a survey that, that one of the groups we're a part of did, and it's literally all the way down even to the elementary school level. We have to get in front of these parents and say, again, this is, I'll, I'll, I'll back myself up and say that Rick is, darn, Rick is right, and I know Rick very well. Uh, this is a sexy industry, and it, it can be very sexy, and it can be a very, profitable industry for somebody, uh, like you said, making a good living. We have to share that with the community, share that with the parents. Again, we're not the crusty lumber people. We're not the crusty plumber. You know, we're not, plumbers don't run around with their butt cracks hanging out anymore. They're, they're very clean. They're very professional people. Uh, sorry, had to get a little humor in there, but yeah, we are. It's, it, we, it is a sexy way to, to, to go to work every day. Uh, we build some of the, the most beautiful structures and, and work on some of the most beautiful structures in the world. Um, but we, we have to help ourselves by helping our communities understand that again, we, this industry, it's needed, it's wanted. Again, we go away, nobody's gonna be there to build that next beautiful house for your seven and eight year old child when they're ready to buy a house. Um, so we start there, we market to the parents, we gotta get into the middle schools, we gotta make it to the high schools. We do gotta get some of these tech ed programs back up and running, uh, the, the construction management programs and all the different trades programs at the, at the tech schools, even the larger colleges. Uh, at some point, I, I think you're right, 
I would, I would, if I was a betting man, I would bet on, and I am a betting man, uh, I would bet on the fact that uh, that is probably your your scenario of it's gonna we're gonna have so much pent up demand for supply and demand, supply and simple, demand yeah, simple that, economics. Again, people are gonna say, "Screw this! I'm not gonna pay a thousand dollars to have my toilet unclogged." Timmy, you're gonna make a good living doing this, and I'm gonna teach you how to be. I'm gonna send you to school to be a plumber. I'm gonna try to push you to go to school to be a plumber. You know, I've seen it happen. I've, I've literally seen people say, God, if you want to make a good living with minimal college debt or no debt at all, go into the trades. Um, and again, it goes to the members and, and all the different businesses that, that are that we work with as well as across the country. You have to you have to be willing to train. And, and you know, part of the, the initial question is, you know, what else are we going to have to do? We, we heard it. I've, I've heard it from multiple people and most recently heard it again from our, our dear friend Russ Alexander Russ Catherine from Alexander Lumber you have to be willing to change the lumber and building material I'll, I'll use lumber yards lumber yards today are not what they were even 20 years ago and in 20 years they cannot be what they are today uh, we've seen some transition already starting where yards that were open on Saturdays are no longer open on Saturdays why again you have the home depots of the world they're there for your Saturday and Sunday purchases. Not saying that every lumber yard's not open on a Saturday. I probably should qualify that. Uh, there are a number that are open Saturdays and even Sundays. It's, it's all dependent upon the community that they serve. Um, you're seeing a lot of lumber yards move out of hardware and into just, hey, we're, we're, we're a pro lumber yard. We deal with contractors. Sure, if a homeowner comes in and wants help designing a deck or, or uh, needs a few sticks or a few sheets, we'll, we'll give it to them, we'll help them, not a problem. But Again, the, the lumberyard of yesteryear is, is nowhere near what lumberyards are today and what they will be in, in, heck, even the next 10 years. They're not going to be the same. And that's, again, where these, not to keep promoting, but the, the roundtables and the education and the resources that are made available to you from whatever groups you're a part of, that's where you'll learn, okay, what am I going to do in the next 10 years? I got to have a plan. If you're not planning, you're dying. If you're not, if you're not pushing forward, you're dying. Um, so that's that's my honest take on on the whole thing. Failure uh, to plan is planning to fail. Amen, amen. Yeah, if if you can't uh, if, if you don't have a, a I don't know who said that, but I've heard it and I, I do remember that one very well. For today, and again, because they can't see us, we'll give you credit for it. There you go. So, well, Cody, I don't want to be wasteful of your time. I want to be respectful. I know you've got a lot going on. It's been a great conversation. Is there anything you want to leave the audience with before we check out here on this podcast? Well, first off, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate it uh, allowing me to sit down with you today. Um, I, again, I, it's, I might sound like a broken record, but this is an amazing industry with a ton of opportunity, a lot of money to be made. It's an investor's dream right now. Whether you're an investor or you want to invest in yourself, get into and take a look at the lumber and building material industry. And when you do, Make sure that you're part of an association, a, a group of people that has your best interests in, in mind, wants to see you succeed personally, professionally, see your business succeed personally, you know, from a, from a professional perspective as well. Um, use use your use your associations, take advantage of them. Um, we have absolutely everything to give, and, and and we're here to help. Well, Cody, I want to thank you again, man. This has been a great experience, been a great time. Um, a lot of great information you've got here. If people want to find out more about the Northwest Lumber Association or the Mid-American Lumberman's Association, or just want to get in contact with you, what are the best ways to do that? Easiest ways to find out what we're up to, uh, both websites, uh, Northwestern Lumber Association's website is www.nlassn.org. And Mid America Lumberman's Association's website is www.themla.com. Uh, we put everything on there from our products and services that we offer to all of our education. We, we talk about what we're here to do and why we exist. We brag about our members. Uh, check us out on social media. We've got both, both organizations have social media pages um, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Um, certainly from my end, look me up on LinkedIn shoot me an email. Uh, we'll use the easiest one I, that I've got, and that's Cody, C-O-D-Y, at themla.com. Fantastic. Cody, thank you again. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, buddy. This is the Building the Future podcast. 
Thank you for listening. Please subscribe. Please like and share. You can find out more at our website, www.buildingthefuturepodcast.com. Together we are building the future.